Hey new mama, I remember being in your shoes and feeling so overwhelmed. I was battling mom guilt, trying to do it all, struggling to transition into working mom life, and just wished there was a place to go that would provide me clear guidance with simple, quick, easy solutions for the problems I was facing. Hey, I'm Lauren Francois and I created it for you. Welcome to the Mom Hacks Podcast, where in each episode I will provide you with a simple tactical hack in self-care, health, and wellness, mom life solutions solutions to simplify motherhood and even productivity, goal setting, and habit creation to make your transition back into the workspace that much smoother. Welcome to the show, Naptime Warrior. Now let's dig into today's episode. Hey guys, I am so excited because I brought you guys something special. Today, my friend Eleni is joining us and she is a certified sleep coach. And we're going to be talking all about infant sleep training. Now, if you've been following me for a while, you've probably heard me talk about sleep training before. I am a huge proponent of sleep training. I sleep trained both of my kids at about, I think we started at about three and a half months old and both of them were pretty much sleep trained by the time they were four, four and a half months old and both were phenomenal sleepers. And it was so funny because when I was pregnant, I remember telling my mom and my mother-in-law that my children were going to sleep because my (laughs) sister has three kids and her, all of her kids were horrible sleepers. And I watched her go through this with her first and her second before I had my first. And I was like, that is not going to be me. I was like, I am going to sleep and my babies are going to sleep. And I remember telling them I'm going to sleep train my kids. And they both kind of laughed at me. I don't think they even knew what sleep training was. And they were like, okay, yeah, Lauren, whatever. And I did it. I sleep trained them and they both were amazing sleepers on nap schedules, sleeping 12 hours a night, not waking up in the middle of the night. And now both my mom and my mother-in-law are like, you need to give the sleep training book you use to all your friends. Like I always tell my, you know, grandma friends who have grandchildren that are having issues with sleep to reach out to you and have them, have you give them the sleep training book that you use. So I am a huge proponent of sleep training. Eleni is going to walk us through what sleep training is today and different methods of sleep training because there are a lot of misconceptions out there about what sleep training actually is and how it works. So Eleni, welcome. I'm pumped to have you here and I'm going to turn it over to you. Thanks, Lauren. I'm excited to be here. I appreciate you having me. Unlike you, I don't feel like anybody warned me enough about how little babies sleep. I feel like, you know, when you're pregnant, you know, women who have had kids come up to you and they smile and they say, sleep now, you know, and you're just like, ha ha, yeah, you're, you kind of take it on the chin. But like what they really should be doing is grabbing you by your shoulders and having like rain clouds come up behind them while they say you don't understand. <laughs> sleep now. But yeah, sleep training saved my sanity. I feel like I was in the throes of depression and anxiety and like postpartum rage really until I figured out how to get my kids to sleep. It's not for everyone and it doesn't need to be for everyone, but I'm going to talk a little bit today about what sleep training is. There's 
a whole lot of information on infant sleep. It's a lot more scientific than toddler sleep. The timing matters more, scheduling matters, the age matters, like there's a specific age where they're developmentally ready to be sleep trained, which is typically about 16 weeks. Um, and if your child was premature, you kind of have to adjust that age. And it's also a bit more intuitive than toddler sleep because whether it's a good thing or a bad thing, your baby can't talk to you. You know, there, there are pros and cons to that, but there's no talking back to you for better or worse. They only really have tears. So instead of jam packing everything that's out there, which is so overwhelming, especially for like new moms, I'm just going to be focusing solely on what sleep training means and why independent sleep is important if you feel like it's for you. So sleep training, a lot of people believe that they kind of shy away from it because they instantly believe that it's just putting your baby in their bed, closing the door and just not attending to them until morning, just letting them basically cry all night long. And that's really not what it is. Some methods, even the gentle approaches, when, when moms do come to me and they're like, I'm not interested in, you know, tears at all. I can never promise that there won't be tears involved, even with the approaches that are a little bit gentler. Some kids are just naturally more inclined to cry. And a lot of times crying isn't a bad thing. It's kind of their way of expressing themselves. And if they're confused or if they're like, you know, it's uncomfortable for us when we learn a new skill also, we feel awkward. So it, it can be a way of expressing that as well. So stifling tears isn't necessarily healthy either. But yes, some methods are more hands-on than others. And sleep training doesn't mean just shutting your child up in their room and leaving them to figure it out until morning and ignoring all of their basic human needs. Sleep training is basically giving your child the opportunity to fall asleep independently at the start of the night. This usually, because they're able to then connect sleep cycles, this usually helps them sleep uh, longer stretches more naturally. It, there's like a whole science behind, you know, when, if your child is going to sleep nursing, let's say at the start of the night, once their sleep cycle is over, they wake up. We wake up after sleep cycles too. That's usually why we move in our sleep and stuff like that. We change positioning. But when they wake up, if they've been, you know, assisted to sleep, they wake up needing that to put them back to sleep again. So if they're putting themselves to sleep at the start of the night, at the end of a sleep cycle, they can put themselves back to sleep. So that's what's important about it. But this doesn't automatically mean that you're going to eliminate all night feedings depending on your child's age. Oftentimes when I'm working with four to five month olds or even six month olds, sometimes even seven month olds, or, or if the mom even just wants to keep the feeding because they enjoy it, because there are moms who I don't, uh, but they enjoy waking up in the middle of the night to feed their child. I strongly suggest that you give your child that feeding, especially if they fall within that age range. So it's okay to give them a feeding. It's biologically normal for young babies to still need a night feeding. So oftentimes I have clients who come to me with 16 week old babies who are ready to be sleep trained, but they're expecting them to totally sleep through the night. And I actually have to explain that this may not be feasible and that a night feeding may actually need to temporarily stay until the child is ready to drop the feeding. I always suggest that you speak to your pediatrician first before dropping a night feeding, but there are some telltale signs for when your child is ready to drop a feeding in the middle of the night. These signs, they're only really an accurate gauge if your child is putting him or herself to sleep at the start of the night. So you'd have to keep that in mind when considering these things. But the first sign is your child doesn't go back to sleep easily after you've fed them. So you feed them and maybe they're up for like an hour uh, and they take a really long time to go back to sleep. Another sign is your child falls asleep during the feeding. So this is a sign that they're likely just using it for comfort. 
They want to be close to you and they don't take a full feeding. And then the last sign is that your child is waking up less than two hours after the feeding because they shouldn't be hungry at that point. They shouldn't be waking up less than two hours after you've fed them. Again, you should always speak to your pediatrician just to make sure, you know, some, some kids fall within the lower percentiles and they do still need night feedings for a little bit longer than those who, whose pediatricians say that it's okay. But yeah, those are the three main signs. There are a ton of methods of sleep training out there. I have a free Facebook group for moms. And in the group, I have a file posted in the document section that is the, they're the five most used methods of sleep training for babies. So these methods include things that are as gentle as the pick up put down method or the shush pat method. And then it also gives you information on sleep training methods like Ferber and extinction method, which are more hands off. They kind of just give your baby the space to do what he or she is going to do. I do have to say that the gentle, more hands on methods take much longer to click for a baby, um, but they still work if you stick to it. Consistency is always key when you go into these things. And if you if you're not following through with the method that you've chosen or you go back and forth, it's not going to work no matter what, whether it's hands-on or hands-off method. Where Ferber and Extinction might take three days or even a week, give or take, depending on the child, the more hands-on methods can take up to two weeks or even a month, depending on the baby. But some moms feel better about doing that because they feel like they're more present for their baby. And that's fine. You just have to know going into it that it is it's a marathon. That one's more of a marathon. When you're choosing your sleep training method, you need to find a balance of what works best for your child and makes you feel the most comfortable. But I strongly suggest tuning into your child during the process. Don't just focus on your feelings. Like really try to figure out what is best for your child. Oftentimes babies get super agitated with the hands-on methods. And they actually cry more with the gentle, gentle approaches than they might cry when you're less present. Like I know with my oldest daughter, she was clearly telling me to back the F off. Like she did not want me there. I felt terrible. Like her crying, you know, gave me this knot in my stomach. But as soon as I stepped away, she hardly cried. I was like shocked. I looked at the monitor and she was like playing with her hair and she put herself to sleep. And I was like, she she didn't even want me there. <laughs> she didn't want me helping her, you know? So really tune into your child and be willing to kind of play around with giving them space. Even if it makes you feel a little bit uncomfortable, give them some space and see how they respond to it. Really tune into their cries too. I know it's so hard when you're a first time mom to figure out if like, like do, they, do they need me? Are they crying because they need me? It takes some time and it takes a lot of like sharpening your mom gut to figure out what their cry is actually saying. But, you know, in the case of my daughter, she was very clearly telling me like, get away from me, mom. Like, I got this, you know? So make sure you're tuning into that. Many parents oftentimes get clouded by their own feelings and they stick to a gentle approach because it makes them feel better, but it can ultimately be more stressful for everyone involved, including you, your partner, your baby. So you need to keep that in mind. You also should talk to your partner. You guys need to come at this as a team. I wish that somebody had told me that because my husband and I fought so much during our initial sleep training with my first, like you should for sure talk to your partner, make sure you're on the same page about it before you dive into that. And then try to put your own feelings aside and see how your baby responds best. And I promise you that if there are some tears involved, 
your child is not going to be going to therapy because you sleep trained them in 20 years. Like they might be talking about other things that you did, but they're not going to say my mom let me cry a little bit when it was time to go to sleep when I was 16 weeks old. But to close this out, we already experienced so much mom guilt about so much. Like we'll make up things. If we're not feeling guilty, we'll make up something to feel guilty about. And we're always so concerned that we're ruining our child right? Or our children. And I can assure you from experience, my oldest daughter is five now, and my second is going to be three pretty soon that I sleep train them both. And I was, it was very like hands-off methods that I decided was best for me, which no judgment either way. They are the most loving, affectionate, articulate, and emotionally intelligent little beings. And I am, I can look back on this and I know that in no way did I damage them by sleep training them. Like, I think that I passed on some anxiety to my oldest daughter, but like, I don't think that that was at all sleep training related. But the moms who are kind of on the fence and they're feeling guilty because everybody, like there are so many moms who have come to me and culturally their families are just anti-sleep training. Like they don't, they can't stand to hear babies crying and they make the mom feel even worse about this. But you really need to take a look. And if you find like, I personally hated motherhood. Like I took a walk with my husband when my oldest daughter was like four weeks old. She cried so much that I had taken her to the pediatrician being like, she's broken. You know, I don't know what's going on. Something is wrong with her. But I, I was like, this is it. Like, this is the rest of my life. And it shocked me. Motherhood shocked me and the lack of sleep shocked me. And sleep training, once I started sleeping, I really was able to appreciate my daughter more and step into this new role and find some time for myself too. So if you find that you're hating motherhood or you're in a constant state of depression or anxiety or stress because you aren't sleeping, just know that sleep training is tough, but it's a small step and having a healthy mother is really what's best for your child. It's proven that a mom who's, you know, or parents basically, who are not emotionally available to their child, that is far more damaging than any hands-off sleep training approach that you would put into action when you're sleep training. So you need to also consider your emotional well-being when deciding whether or not to sleep train your child. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much for that at the end, (laughs) because (laughs) it's so true. When we're sleep deprived, that affects our ability to process emotions and to you know, take care of our babies. And so sleep training, I would say, is as much for us as moms or as dads, as parents, as it is for our children. Like sleep is so important. You don't realize how it is, how important it is until you're sleep deprived. <laughs> you're like, I can't function. <laughs> but I wanted to say, so this was amazing. The sleep training book I followed, and I don't know if you recommend this or not, it was called The Baby Sleep Solution. Uh And I think it was probably, I don't know where it falls within the hands-on, hands-off. I feel like it was maybe in between, but in terms of the crying, at least the method I followed, the maximum amount of time you would let your baby cry was five minutes. So Mm -hmm. it wasn't like Eleni says, where you're leaving them in their room for hours, letting them cry it out. You would let your baby cry for five minutes, up to five minutes and see if they could soothe themselves and put themselves back to sleep. And if they cried for, you know, two minutes and then they stopped crying and they were able to suit themselves, then you didn't have to go in there. If it went on for five minutes, then I would go in there and I would soothe him or her 
And then, you know, once they were soothed, I would walk out and you kind of just repeat the process, but it is not about letting them cry it out. That is not what it is. It's about getting them to learn how to, like she said, put themselves to sleep and then soothe themselves if they wake up and put themselves back to sleep, really. Right. And even with, it sounds like um, the sleep solution, like with Ferber, you would do these graduated, like, you know, five, 10, 15 minutes, but keeping it at five minutes is also something that I've done with clients before. And it helps you kind of feel better because you are going in to check, like, because sometimes your baby will poop like during this process. And so you're like, no, they're not going to sleep and poop. And so you change their diaper, right? So you are still tending to their basic human needs and not leaving your child like soiled and starving. Like, you know, I think that that in between of hands-on and hands-off is probably the best approach in my opinion. Awesome. Well, where can everybody find you? So mostly through social media. Um, I have a growing Facebook group right now where I give free troubleshooting advice to moms. That's sleep coach mom dash team sleep. That's on Facebook. Uh, and it's a private group. Um, and then I have an Instagram page at sleep underscore coach underscore mom. Those are the best places to reach me. And I also have a website, sleepcoachmom.com, and you can email me through there. Awesome. And you guys, I will post all of those in the show notes. So if you just scroll down to the show notes, you'll be able to find all of the links to get in touch with Eleni. And she is not leaving us. So we are going to be doing two more episodes. We're going to do one more episode on sleep training for infants. We're going to be talking about actual scheduling for sleep training and then different developmental milestones that happen with sleep training. And then we're going to be doing an episode on toddler sleep. And this is the one I'm most excited about because I have toddlers right now and nobody talks about toddler sleep training. (laughs) Everyone's like, sleep train your kids when they're babies and then you're good to go. And then they start talking and they hit like two and then a whole new bag of challenges comes along with sleep. So Eleni is going to give us some tips on toddler sleep training as well. But I hope you guys enjoyed this episode and we'll talk to you at our next one. Okay, mama, real quick before you go, if you found value in today's episode, please subscribe, share this with your friends and leave me a review. Leaving a review is so simple. I didn't know how to do it either, so I'm gonna walk you through it. All you have to do is whatever app you're listening to this podcast in, find my show, scroll to the bottom, you'll see stars, and with those stars, you can leave me a rating and review. I'd love you so much for taking the time to do this, and each week I'll be sharing a review of the week because I want to shout you guys out. In all honesty, the reviews are what help this podcast get into the hands of other new mamas. Okay, I'll let you get back to your day. See you next time.